Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I have a, a fantastic friend, uh, business partner, um, uh, GoBundance partner, uh, man of many talents, Aaron Velke. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am uh, very excited. You were one of the first people I chatted with, actually, to be able to jump on the on this, and we finally were able to schedule something out. So, tell me about a bit about yourself, and uh, let's let's hear about who Aaron Velke is, what you do for business, uh, um, about your family, etc. Well, I'll give you the, the quick and dirty of it. I know most of it you know because mm-hmm. of our history, but for those of you listening and tuned in, I've got a company called Get Out of Your Own Way. So I've adopted this skill over a long, long period of time of being able to get people out of their own way. And our coaching program is for entrepreneurs that want to level up their mindset, which trickles down into their behavior, their patterns, their values, and the way they live their lifestyle. We also work with companies that are ready to up-level their leaders and ready to up-level their, their culture. So we work with both the individuals and the companies. It's a really awesome way to live. It's provided me with a lot of fulfillment to see people change and evolve. And it's been the best use of my very, very strange set of skills all combined together. So that's a big part of my world. Uh, I'm a real estate investor. Uh, We've done a deal together and I'm looking forward to doing some more. And as I look at the, the makeup of my world, naturally the most pivotal change in my life, I'm about a year into being a dad, 10 months in two days into being a dad. So that has colored a a rather simple world. Business is certainly a lot of fun, but it has really added a a dimension to my life that's pretty significant. I've had uh, a lot of different hats that I've worn over the the course of my life. Man, I was a soccer coach and a personal trainer for many, many years, over a decade. I published a book on that called Let Her Play in 2020. I've done apartment management. I did my first job out of college. I was a maintenance guy. So I was the guy in like the blue jumpsuit coming around fixing light bulbs and dishwashers and unclogging drains. Uh, my dad was a demolition owner of a company and I got to spend a lot of time in contracting and hanging sheetrock at six and doing all that. Um, I have dabbled in art. I was a, a painter for about two years where I was producing acrylic on canvas and creating these like abstract paintings to go in cafes and in homes and doing custom pieces for people. I like to write. I produce a lot on social media. I like to speak and share across the US and and uh, at heart, I'm a traveler that loves to wander the world and take in culture and learn about the way that, that people are. I'm fascinated by people and I've now made that my passion and my my venture. So dude, I've got a a very, very jagged history across uh, many different pursuits in my life. 
That's awesome. So you, I'm glad you said at the beginning that uh, I know most of that because some of that I had no idea, right? So I just got introduced to a couple parts of Aaron that I did not know, and I've been I've been good friends with you for years now. Um, that's that's really awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about your your background, um, like who who was Aaron Velke growing up? A little bit about maybe your dad and and how he in, impacted you. Um, uh, to be where you are now, whether it's in business as a father or whatever it is. So tell me a little bit about the history side of uh, Aaron. So we grew up in, at least for, for what I remember, from I'd say early or maybe late elementary school all the way through high school in a part of Maryland where we were at the junction of a lot of different areas together. So I went to a school in PG County called High Point High School and, and uh, a middle school called Martin Luther King Jr., very, very diverse area. And my dad being a demolition entrepreneur, did a lot of work in DC, came up to Baltimore. We did work down in Quantico, uh, different air force bases, all kinds of things. So his career was, was largely one that kept him very busy. Mm-hmm. He, he worked really hard, man. Those jobs started at, you know, sometimes four or five in the morning. They went till three. He would come home and then he'd do plans, you know, once I got settled and, and situated. But he was a hard worker. And starting from the age of six or seven, I was a worker too. It wasn't a job, but he took every home that he ever bought and made it way better. He was always taking out walls and adding on decks and, you know, changing windows out and resizing things. We turned a carport into a, a another whole room. We we knocked out a brick wall and put a deck on the back of the, the house. So I've been around that my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back, there are really two things that he taught me without ever sitting me down and teaching me. One was constantly improve. And again, he, I don't think he ever intended to teach me that. That's just what he did. Constantly improve the place that he lived in, constantly try to grow the business. And then he also taught me to, to work really hard. Like my, my work ethic came from watching him, I think, and, and seeing him and, and most of that comes unconsciously because I, I, again, I didn't notice it. I knew he was working. That industry takes a toll on you too. And, you know, wrecked his body. He, he never learned to take care of himself mentally or physically or emotionally. But what he taught me from his profession was still very valuable. I mean, those, those were like skills that matter. But I grew up playing soccer. I grew up uh, doing stuff with my dad. I grew up in the Boy Scouts, which at the time wasn't nearly as cool as playing soccer. So I was always torn. <laughs> I was like, yeah. man, this isn't cool. And then soccer's cool. Like, I just want to skew. But by the time I was, you know, 14, uh, like getting into high school, I, I guess I was probably 13 getting into high school because I have a late birthday. But getting into high school, like, I had some pretty good l- skills with my hands. I could fix stuff. Mm-hmm. We'd been outside. We'd been camping. I was around the outdoors a lot. Um, I got to just see and experience a lot. And my dad was often gone from the home. Like he was just working so much. So my my upbringing was largely at the hands of my mom, but it was taught by the the work of my father. Mm-hmm. And through high school, I was really isolated. I I was like every part about me was awkward. So not much has changed, but <laughs> the, that's true. That's very true. The, the, confirmed by Adam. So when the host is, can confirm it, you know, it's true. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I was lanky. I was 
uh, I was intelligent, but I was shy. I was good at school and that was natural for picking on. I, I was awkward looking. I was awkwardly, I was like growing funny, like just nothing really fit yet. And high school was a really difficult journey. High school, I was picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot. I was, I, I just like, I didn't fit. I didn't fit in anything. I was in a school where the, the way that the area pulled in, this is probably the most, the best experience that I could ever have. The way the school was pulling from different areas, the way that diversity was represented in the school was completely opposite of the rest of the world. There were very few white individuals there. There were individuals from Trinidad, Tobago, from Africa, African Americans. There were Latinos. There were some Spaniards. There were South Americans. Like it was just such a diverse place. And it's probably the thing I'm most grateful for in my childhood. And I don't know that my parents ever like intentionally created that, but it was a, it was a beautiful mixing pot. And even though I felt very different, I also got to see culture. I got to see so much happen in, in that four years. I got to be a part of like these like Caribbean cookouts. I got to take part in these, uh, like Argentinian, like post game celebrations. We, we played the drums, like the empty water coolers on the way back from soccer games that we had won. And it was just, it was just a different experience than what most people got. And I didn't, I didn't recognize that at the time that it was diverse. That's just how I thought mm-hmm. the world was that we were all different and we were all coming together. And, you know, my dad grew up at a time where that wasn't the case. So I was kind of getting information from a lot of different sides about like how, how the world works. And in high school, I think what I learned the most was that, and this is a skill that I learned directly from my dad. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to talk to anybody. And he was just such a good, like charming, friendly person underneath all of the exteriors that he wore. He was a, 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 a comic that would talk to the person at the grocery store and like make them chuckle and pass a joke on and kind of make fun in light of himself and others in a, in a really healthy way. And, and I, I learned to do that in high school. I learned to connect with people and, and that, that young version of Aaron was really damaged, really afraid, really disconnected, but also had a, a really solid foundation of like being able to handle challenge and what life threw at him, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know it at the time. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that uh, um, you, you told me a little bit about your, your like high school experiences. Um, and I, I thought it was awesome to see like, so, I mean, I, I grew up in a very traditional type of what you would see in a normal, like you were saying, you know, you were flipped. I was very normal. I was, you know, it was a majority of uh, uh, white folks and then it moved its way down. And um, I, I didn't see any difference. I just thought that was normal as well. My best friends growing up, um, uh, Jason, he was, he was like my best friend growing up at junior high and high school, black kid, no idea. Then I'm like, and then, so when you step out into the world and see that people actually don't like other people, you like, and you just, it, it baffled my mind to see. Um, yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, cause like Jason was always by my side and before him, Anthony, uh, well, well, before I moved to where Jason was another, another black buddy of mine that was uh, like, that was just who I hung out with all the time. I was so, it was so exciting. Um, and then, uh, to get married to a Latina, which I did not have experience with, uh, you know, the Latin culture, 
like the very first time I met my wife's family, they made this uh, this huge pig. We had pig roast. It wasn't because That's I was awesome. going to the house. It just worked out well that I was coming to the house on the day they were having a pig roast. But I was like, oh man, I what have I missed out on my whole life? I had no idea that this was a thing, you know? Uh, so it, it's, it's so cool that like, I mean, I think that those types of experiences um, uh, to realize what they did for you later on in life is, is massive. Um, and I think that, uh, that has led to me trying to make sure that my sons, uh, and now as of a oh, oh, week and a half ago, uh, as we're recording this, my daughter as well gets exposed to that. Right. And like, yeah, what the heck? Like, that's just like, you can't, you can't go wrong with that level of exposure and seeing things and understanding cultures and understanding backgrounds and, um, and when you add to it the depth that you had from the learning from your from your father, what you know, uh, what hard work actually means, uh, you know, being ethical, um, working with your hands, all the stuff that you you were saying your dad taught, I would imagine that by the end of high school, despite the the picking on and everything, you were, if I were to guess, a rather well rounded, you know, hardworking individual. Is that sound sound accurate? It is. Yeah, I, I was able to turn my pain into kinetic energy and and apply that to sports, which was my mm-hmm. outlet. Like soccer yeah. was the thing that saved me there. You know, w- with, with high school came, you know, things like gangs and, and bullied and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, soccer was the thing that kept me out of drugs. It kept me out of trouble. It kept me out of doing too much crazy stuff. And that pursuit combined with this work ethic, like I, I just, I was one of those kids that I, I would go train for hours by myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I left high school with a really good sense of direction. I wanted to play in college and I wanted to, to try my hand at professional soccer. I also knew that given the right circumstance, I could, I could talk to people. I could stay safe. I, I think what I learned through sort of my trauma was, was essentially I learned how to camouflage. So I was hanging the the way the school was was sort of like created is very clicky. And I've never been clicky. I I yeah. kind of wish that I was sometimes because all my friends were like, "Well, these are my seven friends, and we just do everything together." And I was like, "Well, I want to meet everybody." Mm-hmm. But I learned to be camouflage. I learned to be an artist when I hung with artists. I learned to be an athlete when I hung with athletes. And of all the different groups that were in my school, which again very diverse, just from a group perspective too, yeah. taught me a lot about how to connect to people, how to be open-minded. If some of the, the uh, like Caribbean friends that I had were hanging out, th- there were certain things that we expected to be doing differently. Mm-hmm. You were on your feet dancing most of the time you were doing anything anyway, because there was always music playing and, and there was yeah. just like a festivity to everything. It was, it was such a light, beautiful way to live. And I learned to blend. I learned to be in different environments. I learned to to connect with people. I didn't have a lot of depth then, but I did have direction. And dude, I left high school on a rampage to try to get to college. I had an injury that that really should have ended my soccer career, but decided to keep going. And a lot of my, I think a lot of the who I am today comes from learning how to talk, learning how to connect, and learning how to not judge someone for what I don't know. That was a big lesson in high school is that you just, you just, there was no way to do that. We were all so different. Yeah. So that's, you're bringing me back to, so in high school, I mean, I, I was the guy that, that, uh, I guess rather than 
I, I molded myself to be whoever I needed to be around people that I thought it would look good for being that, right? Definitely. As it's opposed to, yeah, like as as opposed to just kind of, um, like I would turn myself not into me just to yep. be able to fit in, right? And that yeah. and that turned into you know I, I ruined a couple friendships because of that, you know, and like uh, I remember one time vividly, I, I you know I was around one group of people. Um, uh, that it, two of my groups had collided, like not in a mm. not in a clash. We were just in the same location at the same time, and we were all talking. And then I put myself in a predicament where I was like, boy, I can either make myself look cool to these people, or I can make myself look cool to these people. And there was like a hierarchy at that point, right? And <laughs> yeah. and it, I didn't have that depth that you were talking about to to know that no, I like I could just be me and know that I'm friends with both groups. And instead, I decided to ostracize one yep. Yep. because I thought that, that I would look better in front of the other. And I was like, man, what a like terrible way to go. So I, even now when I'm like, I, I'm talking to my son, like I was ta- literally talking to Adam this morning on the way to school about um, looking at, yes, there's a visitor in the background. Oh, oh I love it. What's up, Emerson? Yes. Emerson just joined the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. Say hi real fast. Yes, you're darn right. We do. Everybody that's watching and listening wants to as well. What the hey? Hi. What are you doing? You haven't seen Adam for a while. What's up? You not so sure. You not so sure. <laughs> you have some wickedly blonde hair. That is funny, yeah, doesn't he? Yes. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for the microphone. Bye. That's awesome. So when I first kicked this off, oh, I was lovely. Um, when I first kicked off this podcast, I really wanted to somehow bring the kids involved into it. But like without all of our work schedules, like good luck, like, you know, trying to like you, you and I were talking about maybe having one on a Saturday morning because that's where I had initially created these calendar invites. And it's like, no, like Saturdays are like that is the time to go out and be with your family. Like you're not recording a podcast with people, <laughs> right. you know, but but you got to bring in your uh, a cameo from uh, from Emerson. It was awesome. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, so I was talking to Adam this morning about um, uh, looking at if you're looking to please somebody, or or if you're if you're always looking for a way to be upset, you're going to be upset. You always find a way to be upset. Um, and if you're finding one of those people that's always upset or is upset about something, um, don't let it assume that it's something bad for you. Like try to look at it from their perspective. Where are they coming from? Yeah. What kind of, where's their heart in this? Like it, it's probably not hate. It's probably not disdain. Um, even though that's, we're all capable of that. Uh, what is it that that person is experiencing? Um, and if we can look at things from that perspective a lot more, I think that we get somewhere a, a lot, a lot more positive, right? Where, you know, no, the world doesn't have to be, you know, oh, oh my goodness, Republicans and Democrats can have food together and, and actually live through life and have conversations, right? Because you can look at the other side and go, I understand why you're doing it. That's not the route I would go, but I understand why you're doing it. And then the other side can go, well, ah, it's, boy, I never looked at it that way. I appreciate the context, but instead we all decide to be, and, and I think we started all the way back in, you know, elementary school, junior high, high school, like, yeah. which is why I'm trying to impact my, my kids now. It's like, if we, if we do look at people from like, let's look at every action as they're intending to do good. 
right? Mm-hmm. And that's obviously that's not always possible when you look at horrendous things like school shootings and stuff, right? I can't look at a situation like that. I can go backwards and see what it was that led them to this and try mm-hmm. to see what what that was. But um, there's always going to be evil in the world. But uh, how we teach our kids about it, I think, makes a a huge impact on their their future on on how they look at it later on. Um, you know, I, I tell my niece, she's sorry, you look, you have some go, no, no, carry on. And then I'll, then I'll come back to it. So I, um, uh, I was telling my niece that if, if we, if we look for racism, uh, cause she's, she's, uh, half black said, if you look for racism, you're going to find it under every stone. I promise yep. you, you're going to find it and you're going to be angry about it because it's out there and you're going to find it. Um, there are terrible people that say terrible things, uh, but if you choose to live your life as you are and say, look, I, I am, I know there's hateful people out there. I can still pray for them. I can still love on them. I can still move on. I can still know that that says more about their heart than it does about me. Right. It says more about the person that they were raised to be than it does about the way I was raised. Okay. Cause they were clearly raised incorrectly to get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, looking at it from that perspective and being able to move on and say, okay, well, I, I mean, I can look under every rock and find as much racism as I want and ruin my, ruin my outlook on life and way forward. Or I can look at things more positively and realize that there are, there are bad people in the world. There are bad things that are going to be done and move on. Um, and I like that resilience, I think is important to teach your kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know how to do that yet. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think Neither do I. You know, in, so, do I. In, in some <laughs> ways, you know, to, to, to loop it back to this, presentation that we had to put on in high school even as defunct as that was then that is a really important skill to to be Mm -hmm. able to say what is happening in a group what's the the culture of this group what's the the method of this group and can i adapt to that Mm -hmm. whether it came from the right reasoning or understanding or came from uh, a a deficiency or not as a skill set later on that has become really important. And I think that it sounds like you dealt with this too. I, I struggled with who I was mm-hmm. in a group and individually. And so the, the chameleon, the blending was a tactic to, to stall. And at the same time, it's how I learned skills. It's how I learned a lot about who I could be and how to take a stand and, and how to effectively blend and when not to, mm-hmm. right? And the, the biggest growth in my life has been learning when to say, I'd like to learn more. I'd like to be here and I'd like to be like you. I'd like to learn from you. If I go to Brazil or if I go to Barcelona, I'm not going to be the one to say, I'm going to, you need to do it my way. I'm here to learn from your culture and learn from what's happening here. And then secondly, to be able to say, and this is who I am, and to know that without a shadow of doubt, to know that that I'm a certain way, and to to help uh, your your son get familiar with, look, we we do good in the world, we look for good in the world, we we attempt to see positive intention. I think is the gift to give someone younger than us because we've gone through our trials yeah. to learn how to do that, and came from zero to. Really, like that, that to me is generational wealth too, is to be able mm-hmm. to say, Hey, it took me 35 years to figure out who I am and what I stand for rather than simply blending in. And I'm going to teach you how to blend and how to assimilate with others and how to get along and how to 
play in a community and be a part of something bigger than you mm-hmm. and also how to be resolute and confident in who you are. And I, I think that's going to be a really cool, cool gift. And it sounds like you're passing that down to him too. That's the goal. I think that last part, the being res, uh, you know, resolute in who you are and know who you are so that you can still fit into any one of those categories at any point, but be true to yourself in the process. So you don't have yep. to put yourself in that dilemma that I did where I, I was like, okay, well, which, which friend group do I want to ostracize? Yep. And what a terrible, like even to say the words, which friend group do I want to ostracize? Well, those aren't friends. That's not being a good friend. Like clearly I was, you know, just being a chameleon. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who right. I was capable of being. Um, and it, you know, we talk about it in GoBundance a lot with, with various folks of like, how do we make sure that our kids, like some of the things that some of the skills we grew up with were because we, you know, uh, didn't come from a ton. Like there's a lot of us in the group that didn't come from a lot. Right. Um, so the skills that we learned got us to where we were successful. So if we're successful and we're raising kids that are, are not where we can, like, how do we raise them to be the same, have that same drive that we have when they didn't have to go hard that we did and like, okay, well, I think there's a lot of ways to be able to do it. Don't get me wrong. We've talked about many of them inside the group, but the same thing goes with this. Well, I don't want to have to have my kid go through those just to grow those skills. I think that's my job as a dad to be able to shape my, my kids to um, yep. be able to face the world, to be able to have that confidence in themselves, to be able to, you know, face hardships and trials that, um, you know, like it, even starting a business with, with the kids, like that's one of my many goals with them is to start businesses with them and, and help them see what that means, you know? Um, that, that in and of itself, I think is going to sharpen their skills more than, you know, dealing with some of the hardships that I dealt with that didn't need to be dealt with, you know? Yeah, man. I, I resonate with that fully. I, I think we are doing the most that we can do to try to subvert the like comforts and niceties just for the sake of them without the lesson, right? We're trying to avoid, well, you just get the, the, the good life because we worked hard to create something different for us without learning why and how and i don't think there's a right equation for that it just is an intention and if you can commit that to yourself and say hey i'm going to make sure that you know we're not rolling around in nice cars and living in nice places without nice lessons to me that's the that's the gift is i'm going to show you nice things i'm going to show you nice experiences and i'm going to show you the nice lessons that that taught me that and to be willing to do that in my opinion, after about 12 years coaching kids and, and watching what happens in sports and, and with parents and with my own journey, building, trying to build investment portfolios and companies and missions, you got to let people fail. You got to let people get hurt. And not a, like you want to put bumpers on the lane so that the, those things don't happen too far out of bounds. But, you know, I, I've learned that the thing that changed me. And the thing that changes most people is abject failure. You have to be okay with abject failure. And I I really want to instill in Emerson that failure is an indicator of growth, not an indication of your value. And that's a, that's a lesson. I'm not, I mean, he's 10 months old, so not there yet, (laughs) but that, that process is happening now, nonetheless, with him learning how to walk, right? He's, he can't walk yet. But that's how he's going to learn to walk. And I think yeah, we, we are fast to take that away, right? Like, well, I don't want them to suffer like I did. Like that, it's a different kind of suffering, but it is equally mm-hmm. as important. 
Yeah. So one thing that I don't remember where I heard it from, so I, I can't um, properly uh, source this, but uh, failure is, I want to say it was one of my pastors growing up. Failure is an event, not a person. Um, nice. So like if you, people, too many people look at themselves as a failure, like just because you failed in a moment doesn't mean anything. Like um, uh, Sarah Blakely, um, the uh, inventor of Spanx, right? Um, she talks about um, growing up at the dinner table, her dad would ask, what did you fail at today? Yeah, you didn't have something that you failed at. That meant that you weren't trying. You weren't putting yourself into a situation where you were trying to learn or, or do something difficult. Um, so, you know, it was, it was looked, it was frowned upon to have not failed at something. Uh, you know, I, I have asked that many times to my son. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not getting the, the results I want yet, but I know that as we alter this and we work through it and help him understand that failure is a thing, like golf right now is one of those things that, um, he feels like he's a massive failure at from time to time. Like he'll, mm. you know, if he hits one bad shot, then all of a sudden he's a bad golfer and he shouldn't be golfing anymore. And I'm like, dude, you just, you just like got a birdie on the last hole. <laughs> so like, cal- calm down, buddy, you know, uh, but that, that birdie will lead to three triple bogeys and all of a sudden it's the end of the world, yeah. you know? So, uh, but learning how to deal with that failure is massively important. Um, uh, and, and don't deal with, and deal with it by being, being you to go back to what we were talking about, you know, like, it's important that the failure is accepted by the the true you you are as opposed to just yeah. you know a passing the buck or saying somebody else did it or oh this isn't a big deal no like if it's a big deal make it a big deal and and, and own it and realize what it is and grow from it and yeah. you know make yourself a better human being because of it um i think failure is an amazing thing to go through um you you mentioned uh, go ahead oh well, i just i think that in order to do that we have to be mindful that most of our structure around kids is the opposite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the reward system in school, in education, in uh, carefully, but it can even be in sports. Yeah. Is a feedback loop for when you get it right, you get a cookie, right? You get mm-hmm. an A, you get a cookie, you get a good grade, you get a cookie, you pass the test, get a cookie, you score goals, you get a cookie. Sort of creating that then makes failure the opposite of well, yeah. that and you know we we've got to be mindful as as shepherds for them to to give them cookies when they fail too because then it really gets awesome you just gave me an, an idea for so i've got like a little chart for adam uh, for golf like if you get a par you get this if you get a birdie you get this and it's it's a um uh it's a money thing so like you get a dollar for pars and you know two dollars for birdies five dollars for eagles like something along those lines i've got it written down because i'd forget uh, hence, I forget. I think that motivating to that point of like, okay, well, if you get a triple bogey and your next hole is a mm. par, I'm rewarding you. That's Just awesome. getting a par, no big deal. But if you get a par after getting a triple bogey, I'm going to double whatever that money is yeah. or triple whatever that money is because that's getting yourself out of your brain. Um, I love that. Boy, I really like that. Let me write that down. I'm, I'm going to forget. <laughs> um uh, so you mentioned being a coach, um, and I want to kind of touch on that. So, I mean, you, you, um, uh, your book letter play was awesome. Um, and a, I would love for you to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but, and then talk about how, uh, because you wrote that not as a father, right? Like you weren't a dad yet. You were a coach. You watched a lot of, of, uh, girls grow up, um, as a soccer coach for them and seeing the things that they've done and, uh, watching their growth and then even seeing the parents in the stands 
um, how they react to their their uh, their kids out on the field or how the kids react when they're on the field and the things they tell you about what was going on at home. Like, what kind of things did you gather as a coach? Obviously, you wrote a lot of that down in, inside of uh, Letter Play, but that was more designed for parents to read. Um, but how about you as a parent now? Uh, or, or even as you were preparing to be a parent, like what, what kind of skills or knowledge or things did you take away from those times as a, as a coach to go, I, uh, I'm never going to do that with my kids or wow, I definitely want to do this, this with my kids. That experience shaped a lot more than I know now. And I'm watching the story of my coaching career take, take an even cooler shape as I venture into parenthood myself. Be, being a non-parent, I was unbiased. I, I was untethered to some of the things that I saw get parents bound up. I spent 12 years for contact. I spent about 12 years coaching high-level girls soccer. So at club level, there were a, a lot of different demands on families. It was a lot of travel. Games were anywhere from, you know, a home game was 20 minutes away. <laughs> But uh, an away game might be an hour, might be two, sometimes even more. Tournaments were all over the coast. We had tournaments that we flew to and played. We we flew out to Vegas for a couple tournaments. the The expense of being in a club level was certainly high. It required not just the club expense and, and me as a coach, but it required driving and gear and time and energy and just just a big demand on the family. So I was in an environment where there were a lot of expectations. And that was the first thing that I learned was that the deficit and the, the damage that most kids experience from something as beautiful as sports comes from expectations. And what I watched over and over and over were players that played for their parents, not because they loved the game. And so one of the biggest lessons I am certainly mindful of is that the life that I might want for Emerson is not his life. It doesn't need to be his life. I have no right to that. Now, mm -hmm. am I responsible for supporting him and nurturing him and helping him explore and providing my insight and guidance? Absolutely. But his choices are his. And ownership of that is really important to me because I, I watch players come to training and I would be like, what's going on? Like, And they would tell me, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't even want to play sport anymore. Mm. And how do you motivate a player? How do you give someone the, the, the things that sports can provide, the lessons, the self-reflection, the introspection, the, the discipline, all of that? How do you offer that when they don't want to be there? So that, that's definitely one. I think another interesting part of, of my experience is, is that most of what my players wanted from me was different from what I thought they wanted from me. Mm -hmm. And that just presented an interesting dichotomy of what do my players want and need? And can I ask them and not make the assumption? So I learned to ask more questions of, especially older players. I learned to ask more questions than to provide more insight. And, you know, as a coach, I'm there to, to set up these training arenas where we're, we're building tactical awareness, we're developing a skill, we're, we're like honing and working towards mastery of something. But like on the way there, we, we have to know the right feedback loops and what questions to ask. One of the feedback loops that 
inherently got really jacked up. I would sit parents down at the beginning of the season and say, if we go 500, that's a good season. And they're like, what? 500? We, dude, we want to go undefeated, bro. We want to hold up the title. I'm like, you want to hold up the title. You want to hold the, the, the crown and say that your daughter did this. And that's the mistake. This isn't about you. You invested in your daughter's future, her psyche, her confidence, her skills, her self-mastery. You didn't invest in a trophy, man. That's a, those days are gone for you. Don't live vicariously through her. 500 is a good season because that means we won some, we lost some. We win, we build our confidence, but winning will not teach you. Losing will expose your weaknesses. Then we go back, we repeat the cycle, and we try to win and reinforce the lesson. But you need both. If we, if we win all of our games, we're either sandbagging or we're in the wrong league, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that like feedback loop started to play in with skills and with, with development. I am mindful now as a parent that my job is to, to create environments where he can practice and train and fail and lose and do all these things. But if I'm not charting the course, Maybe I should shut up and ask, do you like this? And, and yeah. I think those, what I ended up being for, for these players, I, I would coach them from sometimes 10 all the way to college. Sometimes I started 12, 13 and take them to college, but many of them didn't play in college where they played club in college. So during that journey, I was like older brother, counselor, coach, sometimes mm -hmm. stepdad, sometimes like uh, therapist. Like I, I was all these things. And I think the difference was sometimes I would listen more than I would talk. And I mean, I could talk. So <laughs> to be able to sit down with them and just, you know, hear what they are going through, talk to them about what they're experiencing really taught me a lot. I dealt with suicide. I dealt with anorexia and eating disorders. I dealt with depression. I dealt with bullying at school. I dealt with isolation. I dealt with the death of a parent. Like these were not things that I signed up for. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for that. I asked to like come teach my favorite game. And yet the gift that I got was tremendous perspective of what these young women were experiencing on their journey to adulthood. And now being able to look back at that and, and chronicled all the way through let her play is like this, this tremendous softness and emotional dexterity that they, they taught me. I didn't, I didn't teach them. They, they taught me this, mm -hmm. that. If I wanted to show up for them, then I had to be willing to hear them and like listen to them and truly see them. And I, I, I really believe that most of us are so focused on what we need to get them or where we need to get them or how we need to get them there. They're like, we missed the whole fucking ship. We, they may never even want to go there. Yeah. And that has really carved out how I think about being a parent. Man, that's awesome. Um. I look forward to hearing more stories as, as Emerson grows older on how, like what, what you used there. Cause the skills you're talking about are, are massively important. I'm using, I'm trying to use some of them just with our, with our eight year old, you know, um, and the older he gets, the more I'm going to have to use those skills and, and help, uh, um, help grow. And, you know, it's the same thing I tell him all the time is that I want, I want you to golf until you don't want to golf anymore. Like not because you want to please dad or because you want to, you know, like he's a, he's a good golfer. And, uh, um, right now he loves it, 
if later on he doesn't, I don't want him to hold on to it just because daddy said, you know, right. like he's already tells me that his favorite sport or his favorite uh, subject is math. Cause he knew that that was my favorite subject growing up was math. Um, even though he's, it, it is clearly not his favorite subject. Right. <laughs> so I know there's a part of that where he's like, I just, I just want to please dad, which I think it's good. I think it's healthy to want to please your parents. Don't get me wrong. But, um, uh, and it, I mean, I think it says something about me as a dad that, that he wants to, you know, to do that. But at the same point, I need to make sure that he knows that like he's his own person and I, I don't want it to ever come from me that you are doing this because it's what daddy missed out on. Um, you yeah. know, and it's a fine line because like there are things that I'm doing specifically because I didn't get that when I was a child, but I don't want to turn it into you need to do this because I didn't get to do it as a kid. It's more like, Hey, I want to expose you to things that I didn't get exposed to. I don't want to force you to do things that you, that, right. that I didn't get to do. Um, and what a weird balancing act it has, uh, it turns into, you know, and trying to figure out how to, how to ensure that I'm, I'm not overstepping, but at the same point, motivating enough, you know, to, uh, uh, to make sure that he's, he's doing what, what he can to fail and fail forward. Um, and not just give him everything he wants. And, you know, like you were saying, if, if they're, if you're scoring and beating everybody, like there's one golf league he's in that he's, he's the best kid at the league. Um, you know, he's eight and he got invited to the all stars. He can't compete in the all stars in that league because he's not old enough. Um, but he got invited to just play to be exposed to it and see how it is because he was the, the better player at that age group. That's um, cool. And then we're, which is awesome. Right. And that helps his, his, uh, motivation. But then he's in another league where he's in like the bottom 50%, you know. Um, and he's, he's not as strong. I mean, there's one kid there that usually shoots like two over, um, right around par, maybe, maybe under, maybe over. He's somewhere in that, uh, two under to two over range usually. Um, which is a solid golf player, right? At eight years old, especially like he's doing really well. So when Adam gets into that one, like it's boy, it's a challenge. Like that's where I really get to that, that problem of triple after triple because he just, he gets stuck in the thing. So. Um, I don't know, as you're saying that, I, I think that it's, uh, um, I like that he's in one of each of those where I'm not beating him down in such a challenging life, but at the same point, you know, so he understands what it's like to lose and he understands what it's like to win. And yeah. like he, he made a chip the other, uh, the other day, like we were, we were out just me and him golfing and, uh, he wasn't playing so well. And all of a sudden he chipped one in daddy, that felt really good. <laughs> yes, it does feel really good. And remember that moment. Don't remember the, the hurtful moments, right? And, uh, you know, but to celebrate that with him and, you know, be able to, to, uh, enjoy that was, was, you know, second to none. Like, cause he went from a bad mood to, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, this is why I golf. Um, but uh, I don't know why that part came out, but, um, so now let's, I want to kind of pivot a little bit, right? We've talked a little bit about the coaching and how that's kind of impacted you now. Um, you, you, I know are do a lot of coaching on the business side, um, personal, personal coaching, um, various different things there. Um, so I'm going to assume that some of your coaching skills in sports have transferred over to, to your business side. Um, uh, and you've already talked a little bit about how the, the coaching is going to, is, is impacting the way you're thinking about being a dad. I'm assuming it's doing the same thing as the way you're thinking about business. Uh, so I kind of want to connect all of those together, like the, uh, you know, how it's, how it's affected business and how business affects being a dad and how that, how that whole kind of cycle goes. Um, obviously, you know, you're, um, 10, you know, 10 months into, to being a dad. So I'm not, you know, uh, it's more what you've done already. Yes. But like, 
like to your point, like Emerson's not even quite ready to go walking around the house yet. So let alone, you know, some of the the major hurdles that are, are I am sure to come. So, but still, you know, the, I know how in depth you think, and I'd love to kind of hear how you've kind of processed that and where you want, where you're wanting to go and what your goals are as you keep uh, pressing forward and, in, in, uh, in raising Emerson. Well, there's a couple of directions that are loaded question. Yeah. It's a heavy question. <laughs> it's a lot involved. Yeah. There's a, it's like, Part A, Part B, Part C, mm-hmm. Part D, optional Part F. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll work, we'll work our way through. Uh, I, I think a, a great place to start is that the what is going on camera? I almost like I don't know that you need video because this is a podcast, but it is. But it's going to go on YouTube, so now everybody gets to see how you're. you're yeah, because I'm not editing these, by the way. I know. So. I know. Well, I wouldn't yeah. encourage you not to. Because this is this is now getting really good. Uh, yeah, this is like a nice camera too. I don't know what's going on. There we go. I teleported in again. Mm, well, the so the, the the interesting part of my world of coaching sports and athletics. Wow, this is so great. I'm just popping in and out with video. Sports and athletics has a tremendous overlap of entrepreneurship. If there was a Venn diagram, like wow, do I'd say eighty nine percent of it. Because it's completely the same. It's a very specific so, number. I, I think about this a lot. The, <laughs> the overlap began with me running the financial education company while I was coaching soccer and entrepreneurs looking at my life and saying, I don't understand how this is your world, man. Like I'm, I'm in business, but I'm like, I hate my life. I work way too much. I don't have any fun. There's no purpose in it. It's just a chase for money. But at that point, with me all the way in the throes of it, coaching soccer was largely about mindset. Players were failing. Players were not growing. Players were stuck in plateaus. Players were not developing correctly. They had a lot of baggage, and my job was to set them free from that so they could perform at their capacity. So not much has changed. The The game that I'm coaching is different. I'm coaching business now. Mm-hmm. The players are very similar, men and women. So. Learning from that, it's just been interesting because two things are true in the world of of coaching entrepreneurs. One, the more I coach, the better I get at coaching. So every time that the next person falls in line and says like, hey, I really want change in my life, I'm better than the last time that I said yes. Yeah. So that's amazing. But the other part is that the the journey through coaching in business as a business is that there has to be much more of a tangibility than anything else. So what that's taught me as a parent is that you know, if I'm building a business where there's a demand on me, there's pressure on me to to create tangibility and outcomes for entrepreneurs that are playing at a very high level, then I have to really take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And if I want to model pursuing my dream to my young son, then I have to really care for more than just myself. I have to care for a lot of people. There are a lot of people in my care. And I choose the word customer, or sorry, client over customer. Client means in care of. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I'm in their care of. I I take care of them. I show up for them in their hardest moment, their most broken moment, and provide an ear, an insight, uh, a wisdom, an opportunity to reframe. And if I'm going to coach you on your mindset, making sure your values are at the forefront of your life, making sure that the person that you're becoming is the person you want to become. 
And that's the transformation that I can offer people. If I'm going to commit to that, I have to be really good. I have to be really good all the time. I have to be on many, many, many hours of the day. So my stamina has to be good. I have to take care of myself. I have to mind my health, my mental health, my fitness, which is a great model for my kid. Am I perfect? No, far from it. I want him to see my progression. I want him to see my hard work, but also all the things that go into operating at a really high level. The most dramatic change that this has presented is the utility of my time. I was rather carefree with my time before. Not to where I was, I'm selfish now, but I, 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 I could choose things that didn't necessarily need to have tactility or, or value because I, I had an abundance of it. And now I'm like, well, okay, I want to start, I might start my morning routine off, but I want to create a little bit of time in the morning to spend with him. And I want to create some time in the evening to spend with him. And if I need to go back to work in the evening after he goes down, that's fine. But I'm, hyper mindful and vi- vigilant about my time now because there are these these windows where even just an hour with him on either side of my day that's what he needs right now just presence in in like an hour half an hour whatever it is but I'm there and what I worry about most in entrepreneurship is that we we play the short game not the long game mm-hmm. and we forget why we started so I have to be mindful because that's the message I'm, t- I'm doling out all the time. So my world now, thankfully, is is like a really cool tennis match of making sure that values are the forefront of your living, making sure that you're living the way that you want, your future self is aligned with your current actions. Like that, That's my day-to-day. And it's the test that I have with him is to make sure that I'm living the way that I'm talking about living to everyone else. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I get it really wrong. But I'm working on that daily and working in it daily. So to me, there's a really cool congruence between who I am in business and who I am as a parent. I want to show him these things that I've got. I'm so excited about where things are going because now I've got like these tools, these frameworks that that help people get clear on where they want to go, what they want to invest in, what business do they want to launch, what what kind of lifestyle do they want to lead. I I, that's what I do for a living. I help people get clear on that. Or I come into the company and help them get clear on the company, the culture, the leaders, the leadership. And to be able to offer that to him in discussion is going to be something I, I'm so proud of at some point. And, and I'm proud of that's my life now. It is also pulling out of me a an interesting challenge. Where I struggle the most is where's the gap between living my dream because that's important to show him is that his dad will chase his dream. Because at some point he will question that. If I tell him to go chase his dream, he will ask me, are you? And I want to be able to say like, without any hesitation, like I have been doing that since I was 27 years old. That is my entire path and mission. And that that dream does not just involve the betterment of me and us. It involves the betterment of the many, many, many people that I'm lucky enough to call clients. The other thing that it summons out is this idea of a a brand new kind of capitalism that I'm excited for him to come into. He's going to evolve into a world where he likely will never touch cash. He will meet more people online than offline, and he will likely not need the kind of education in order to get the things done that I needed. It's We're much faster. Everything's advancing so fast. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, 
his weaponry in that time period is going to be creativity, service, and authenticity. And those three things can be fostered along the way, but very differently than they ever have been. So I think those three are are the chemical makeup of what success is going to look like. And for me to foster that requires me to live into that. So it, mm-hmm. it is brightening up these elements of me in such an awesome way. Can I chase my dream in the service of others and the betterment of my family? And can I live into these, these elements of creativity, authenticity, and service in everything that I do? And what a world he will adopt. If, if you can make money doing something that you love, that makes the world better, and that you're really good at, dude, you win. You win. Everything. I've already won. Yeah. And if I can consistently get better, if I can fail through it, I'm excited for who he believes he can become. And that's a big commitment for me. But that is a commitment that I believe is probably the most worthwhile I'll ever make. That's awesome, brother. Yeah, that's... uh uh, put yourself two years ago. Would you have ever thought that that would be what you're you're saying? No, because right? two years ago you had no idea you'd be a dad, right? That's right. Um, that's like, right. What a oh, becoming a dad does something to your brain, does something to your heart, does something to every part of you. That just uh, it's phenomenal to to feel and watch and go. Wow, I would have never seen myself doing that. You know, it's true. Um, uh, it's it's uh. Despite the fact that, you know, it, not to mention all those dreams that you just talked about, right? Are you, are you, they change just by having kids, right? Just by, just by becoming a dad, you're like, all right, well, now my, my dream just adjusted, right? Because now yeah, I'm looking do. at this little, <laughs> this little bundle of joy, um, and poop and going, wow, did my life just change? And boy, are my goals different now, right? Like, and my goals changed just a week and a half ago by having a girl. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a dude dad, you know, now all of a sudden I got a little girl. Like, it's like, holy, (laughs) I don't, this is what a, what a whole new thing. You know, like I told, I told my boys, um, uh, I said, look guys, uh, I'm going to put you guys in jujitsu, uh, because, uh, they put daddies in jail, but they don't put big brothers in jail. So, um, if, if any, if your little sister needs protecting, that's on you guys. Like you're going to be there. Not me. I'm, I'll go to jail. If I, if I do it, (laughs) you guys won't. So go to jujitsu. Right. So, my whole my whole goal and thought process has changed. Like it's not I'm not raising these these uh, tough men who are ready to go out in the world and um and uh, and be positives in society. Now I've got to raise a a strong woman that's ready to go out there and and uh, be a positive in society. And that's a different thought process altogether. Um, Again, I, I I haven't figured it out yet, but um you know I'm only a week and a half into it, so I'll give myself some grace on not figuring it out yet. Uh, well, uh, how about how about we make a trade? I'll tell you everything I know about spending a lot of time with daughters and mm-hmm. helping them grow and you can tell me everything you know about raising sons so i'm pretty selfish and have zero desire to share any of my knowledge skills oh, and abilities on, with man. you so i'm going to take everything i can from you <laughs> now, that was kind of the purpose of this podcast is i'm going to steal everybody else's good ideas and <laughs> and hope that somebody maybe maybe gets something out of it but as long as i do i don't care right uh, but no i think Respect, that's a solid man. trade we, we can do that i think we could do that trade um so tell me uh boy i know emerson again 10 months old. What kind of direction do you see you wanting to raise him in? Like as far as, um, uh, you know, you've worked hourly jobs. Now you run businesses. Um, you know, I was a, a former military guy, um, that, uh, you know, 
runs an education company, runs uh, real estate stuff, then kind of like, I don't know what direction I want to bring my kids. I want to expose them to as much as possible. Um, uh, and, and maybe this is a loaded question because of what we already talked about before about not wanting to uh, force our kids in one way or another because of what, what we do. But what are your thoughts on on raising uh, raising Emerson as you know you you are running businesses and you're doing all this stuff like what kind of direction are you planning to give or what kind of involvement in the business or what kind of you know what what are your thoughts on on where that goes as Emerson gets older? Well, I'll quote uh, there's a there's a quote by Wayne Gretzky uh, about skating where the puck is going, not where the mm-hmm. puck is. Um, I don't know what the exact quote is, but uh, I think it is skate where the puck is going, not where it's been. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then what I'm preparing him for is a world 20 years from now. Yeah. That's mind boggling to think about. It's very hard in, in get out of your own way coaching and, and all of our mindset work. We try to keep people to a three year bandwidth. Like it's very hard to project who you want to become and what the world looks like yeah. and what your business might look like beyond three years. So I'm mindful that that's the horizon that we can actually see. But thinking about for him, given where I see things are and are going, what the doors that I want to help him open are are largely about three things. One, undoubtedly, is emotional intelligence. He's got to be able to handle the complexities of emotions mm. in a world that is becoming more and more destabilized around that conversation. Yeah. So that's number one. The second is financial intelligence. And this, uh, you know, I've spent eight years building a financial education company. And, and mm. in that, I've learned that uh, I knew very little. My dad was successful in what he knew, but he knew very little. Yeah. And I'll probably be a big change maker in the family. So I want him to learn some of that too. And I know very little still comparatively. That's why I'm in a community like GoBundance because I learn something every time somebody types a post. I'm like, oh my yeah, God, sure. I don't know what any of those letters mean. The part of that that's important is not necessarily does he have to become an entrepreneur. But I do believe that the world is trending towards a more entrepreneurial themed employment cycle, meaning that he may not have to be an entrepreneur. He can certainly work for somebody else. There's no shame in that. I have mm-hmm. no issues whatsoever with it. However, he will need to think like an entrepreneur, which is find problems, offer solutions, look where people aren't looking, identify, solve. The third is communication. And you could tally it under emotional intelligence, but I'll, I'll qualify it differently. It's largely about the way that we sell, the way that we handle conflict, the ways that we talk to ourselves, the ways that we engage with customers or clients. There's such a large gap there that for him to learn how to communicate what he wants to communicate is one of the biggest skills ever. This is a focus of a lot of my coaching, whether clients know it or not. Mm -hmm. We often think that the message that we're saying is the message that someone is getting. And if someone is in sales and they want more sales, the the perimeter of sales is like the tactics. The the body of sales is emotional intelligence and communication. Can you get those two things figured out? Figure out their pain points, communicate like a human being, build trust. Then you're actually helping them with the sale. 
and you know, God forbid someone is manipulating through that is a, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But if you can communicate effectively, I think you're in good shape. What, what that also means to me is that if that is the future, then presently I have to be willing to let go of, of some of the things that I want to believe need to happen. I want to show them how to work hard. Well, work hard is going to look very different in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I, I want to sh- like, I, I want him to have the same experience where he like kicks the ball around in the cul-de-sac. We just play wiffle ball for hours. That probably will never happen. That, that time is kind of gone. So it's also about letting go and surrendering to what I think childhood should be for what I experienced and what I got. And again, putting the lens back on me as like the center of his uh, childhood experience and instead flipping and making sure that he's the center of that childhood experience. So I think that's going to really challenge me to, to like let go of these things that I think he needs to learn or experience. Like we went camping. That's an easy one to replicate, but playing ball in a cul-de-sac that that's not so easy to do. Yeah. Or, um, you know, he, he has been on like, six flights already not not to count like the number of actual legs i didn't go on i probably could count no let's see it was probably 25 before i had tallied six, six flights so it's already different it's already broken and if if i can just like not white knuckle my way into trying to make my childhood repeat so that he can learn the same lessons it's not time travel i think i'll be okay but that is a that is a really hard thing for me to do, and I'm I'm an uneducated baby dad. Like mm-hmm. this is a hard phase for me. Yeah, it's a very hard phase, and I all hope that are. Your, well, that's <laughs> all of them are hard. You know, <laughs> I, I I tell my son, um, sons, like I said, look, bud, um, you've never been an eight year old before, and I've never been the dad to an eight year old before. So, so we have to learn so, this together. Do, do you know that you told me that, uh, where were we? I don't remember where we were. You told me that before. Mm-hmm. And I have said that to myself probably 300 times. Good. And I, I just want to thank you for that because that, that is a bigger statement than you know. You, you told me at one time, just kind of in passing, and I took it and I ran with it. And every day where I'm like, oh my God, like you left the closet door open and he just pinched his fingers in that. Like, yeah. You know, you know, I, can, I it would be so easy for me to spiral, and instead oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, well, how would you know? You, you didn't know. Yeah, let's just move on. You learned. I've never had the baby proof a house before. Like this is all new to me, right? So, yep. so you learn. You learn from it. Um, and that's uh, I, I told him the same thing now. Um, with Rourke because Rourke is four, right? And I was like, and you know, I've been I've been a dad to a four year old before. But I've never been a dad to a four-year-old that has an eight-year-old brother that he's been watching, and I, like I don't, I still don't know how to do that. Like, as I've got to now guide you both, it's like this is all new. Like, I don't, I don't know. And it's always going to get hard. It's always like nobody. I don't know anybody who said that parenthood is easy. And if they did, they're either absentee or liars. They're one <laughs> or the other. Like I don't, like I don't. But it doesn't mean it's not extremely thrilling and a lot of fun and truly right. enjoyable and like. Watching my son's face that day that he made that that chip in and he like that was that felt really good, Dad. I said, "You darn right it did." You know, like like right. warm my heart just hearing you say it, right? Um, like uh, I think I don't remember who it was I was listening to recently, but they were talking about how like um, let's let's say your life is 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 uh, 
you know, a, a zero line, right? There's negative and there's positive and, and usually have like ups and downs of uh, plus 10, minus 10. And then you get married and then it's like a plus 20, minus 20, right? Because your mm-hmm. highest highs from uh, come usually from your spouse and some of your lowest lows come from your spouse, right? Um, uh, and then when you have kids, it's like plus 40 and minus 40. And it's like, cool it way to just, look at it. you get some really good highs, but they come with really good lows or really bad lows, right? Like, so understanding that, that as you're growing, you know, and as I'm getting more kids, I'm sure that that's even going to go higher, right? I'm not uh, like plus a hundred and minus a hundred now, right? Because if all three kids are going nuts at the same time, boy, am I going to be hurting. Um, but just knowing that, yeah, but when all three kids are on, man, is it going to feel good to be a dad? Like, yeah, holy goodness. You know, like last night, um, we were out in the back. Uh, Adam came back from, from not doing his best round of golf. He actually went out with my dad, um, for, uh, for competition. And, uh, I had a meeting at church, so I wasn't able to make it. My dad was extremely excited to go be a caddy, um, for, uh, for a round. So my dad takes him out and he comes back and I was, he's like, uh, I, I had this new putting tool that came in. Um, and he was like, oh, what is this? You know? So we talked about it and I said, like, all right, well, he wants to do it. So we go in the backyard and we're, we're practicing putting on this little mat and like, just in 10 putts, he was like, I had been telling him over and over again. I said, Hey, you're doing this to the face of your club. You're doing this to the face of your club. He's like, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I said, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm watching you. You know, like I can see what you're doing. Um, but then just giving them the tool get, like, and then stepping back and letting him do it. He's like, I see it. I see, I like, I see that I'm turning my club. And then before you know it, just 10 strokes in, he's, he's doing better. And I'm like, Boy, like the hurt that this has caused on the putting green and the golf course. Uh, but now the joy that it has caused watching him work through that problem realize there was an issue go what like and then figure it out himself like daddy didn't like he didn't care when daddy was saying it he cared when adam saw it like when he actually saw it and i was like this feels amazing like those are those highs that you're like this great job you know and he was so excited he could barely go to sleep because he was like i just figured this out you know so <laughs> i mean it, it's gonna hurt when he realizes that he's still gonna have bad putts because that's just part of life but um but man does it, it feel good to to just watch him do that and then you know uh oh side story my son actually asked me the other day he's like so daddy are you an employee or an employer and i was like oh boy Here yeah we go. buddy let's go here it goes that's you know? cool so, got to have some good chats about <laughs> that yeah. uh, and it was on the way to golf so you know i'm taking advantage of those moments of just having those good conversations in the car and uh man what fun it is uh so you know like that's one thing that i love about being uh, an entrepreneur now and working from home is I, I drop my kids off at school and I pick them up from school. Um, yeah. Is that the best use of my time for business? No. Is that the best use of my time for a dad? Yeah. Like the yeah. conversations I get to have on the way there um, are awesome. You know, uh, when, when they're not watching something on a screen, which I'm doing as little as possible, but, uh, but man, oh man, is it so much fun? Like the chats we had today and the, the way he was asking me questions when I was talking about, uh, um, you know, the way that we look at people and how we, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, trying to understand their perspective and all that. Like it was just, you, you could tell he was engaging and he was trying to, trying to learn. It was so much fun. Um, I look forward to, to hearing stories from you about how that, uh, how that goes with your, with your kiddo. Yeah. I'm sure it will be a, a fascinating journey, man, especially given that we've got other things happening in our relationship that move us forward. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think one of the, the parts of, selection as an entrepreneur in the way that we use our time is is largely like what's going to fill the cup up like this is another piece that has certainly circled more is it's even more important that i'm at my best and sometimes that means being very selfish 
Yeah. But I, I now know the, I now understand the ripple effect of, of me being at anything less than, you know, 80%. Yeah. And th- there are moments like I'm, I'm working at home many, many days too. And there are times where, you know, it's, it's noon. I have an hour between meetings and all of a sudden I'm like, I got two, I got really three options here. I've got eat, eat and run or eat and lift mm-hmm. or spend the hour like just rolling around in a playpen, you know, reading a yeah. board book. And that can be a really hard series of choices or, you know, in your case, maybe driving into school or, or staying at home mm-hmm. and, and doing the thing that business demands or life demands. And I, I don't know that there's a perfect criteria. I do know that I am learning and adapting a lot to stay, like keep your cup full, stay charged, keep your battery full. Cause if you don't, everybody loses. And whether that's called selfish or selfless, whether it's called kindness or not, like, man, it is a, it's a real priority. May, May is mental health awareness month. We're recording this in May. Like it's mental health awareness month. And, and dude, I, I know what my life looks like when that's not going well. Mm-hmm. And, it's not pretty. And yeah. it's it's hard to make those choices sometimes. I, I really struggle with like, okay, I need to go run. Emerson, I'll see you later. Hey, everybody, I'm going for a run. I'm like, you got to deal with it. And yeah. I think one of the challenges in this stay-at-home culture, particularly as an entrepreneur, if I was at an office and I like left the office, maybe I'd have to deal with the employees, but I'm not going to get that from Emerson, right? He's not going to be like that. Where are you going? At home, you do. And I think- yeah. Dude, almost every puppy that someone got in year 2020 has like separation anxiety because they're not used to being alone. (laughs) And it's, it can be very similar, right? Like, am I separating from my business enough to go take care of myself? Am I separating from Emerson and family to go take care of myself? Like, I don't know. That's an important calculus in all this too. Yeah. Yeah. There've been a few times that like Raquel would come home from work. Um, and I'm like, Hey, I got, I got, I'm leaving. Like, I'm just going to walk out the door. Kids are yours. They're already showered. They've already eaten. I am, I got to go. Like, there's just, I need my mental, my mental recharge. Um, you know, whether it's, I just got done working on homework for the umpteenth time trying to explain what long division is to an eight year old. Um, or, you know, if, um, a four year old thinks that, um, dinner should have been, uh, Fruit Loops and a donut. Like, well, <laughs> I understand, but that's why daddy's chubby is because daddy ate Fruit Loops and donuts for them. <laughs> like, let's not do that, right? So, <laughs> but like, it's just, you know, I, that, that I wish that I, I need to find those triggers. So there's a book. Um, I think it's Brene Brown, the five second rule. Yep. Um, so she talks about, you know, uh, finding that thing that, um, that you feel in your body. There's some sort of a, a reaction that you get in your body before you have one of those emotional um, reactions to something. Uh, sometimes it's your, your, you know, your skin, uh, your, your hair standing up. Sometimes it's just a, a pain in your gut. Sometimes it's whatever, right? I need to find that trigger um, that I can catch before I emotionally react to the boys, uh, to the kids. Boy, it's kind of get used to saying kids because I have a girl now. That's um, right. You know, I'm going to start calling really you out. Uh, please do. Uh, um, that's like the fifth time I've done that today. Uh, so, uh, uh, trying to find that trigger because, 
you know, we all, we all have issues. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to, you know, those are those moments where I get to say, hey, daddy failed at this today. I failed at being able to communicate well with my son, being able to communicate well with my daughter. I didn't do a good job. And, you know, one thing I, I like to do is when I am having those conversations, which I try to every time that I catch myself screwing up, especially if I catch myself screwing up badly, is to sit down and talk to the boys about it. Say, hey, you saw daddy do something that was really not great. Like, that was not how I should have reacted. That's not the, the way that I should have spoken to you. That's not the way that we should be doing this. Um, and ask for forgiveness and grace, you know, the same way that I should be doing the same thing for them when they're, when they make mistakes, um, and move forward. So, uh, it's, uh, it, finding the, that tripwire that says, Hey, you're about to have an emotional reaction to something. Um, which is rare for me to like, I've got, I think one emotion and the only time that it ever gets found is with the kids. Um, so it's, it's one of those that I, I don't get a lot of practice in getting that. So I need to find it and figure out what that tripwire is and, and count, count those five seconds ago. All right. I feel it coming. I need to step out. Cause that mental health is a serious thing. Like, he, like if like it, I used to be a dog handler, right. Um, and, uh, what we used to say is, um, you know, your, your, uh, your emotions travel down leash, right? Whatever you're feeling, your dog is going to be feeling too, right? You guys are a pair for a reason and your dog is going to be feeling it. Um, and not that I'm comparing my working dog to my child. However, I'm going to compare my working dog to my child for a minute uh, because your kids are going to feel it too. If you're going through something, your kids know it. They may not know what you're going through, but they can tell you're going through something. Daddy's just not right. Like daddy's feeling something. And then and having that conversation, hey, I had a really hard time at work. I'm going through X, Y, or Z. Um, the business is doing this. I, this thing is going on there. Um, you know, they can accept and understand a lot more than we give them credit for. Uh, yeah. And, and being able to communicate that. I think is extremely important because now I'm telling them, Hey, when, when daddy is, is off, I'm able to talk to you about it. When you're off, you should be able to talk to me about it. We should have these communication to be open and honest with each other and be able to work through this. Cause if I don't show that you can be vulnerable, then I'm telling my kids they can't be vulnerable. And Man. if they can be vulnerable with anybody at darn well, it better be me. You know? Yeah. Like if, ah. so I've got a supporting story there. I, I never really yeah. thought about it, but I had many, many times come to practice with like, like 15 year old girls, like 15, 15 year olds. Like if, if there's a challenge for a dude, yep. it's probably that. <laughs> uh, and this was like out of school. So it could be like chaos and manic, but I, there were numbers of times where I would come in and say like, uh, ladies, you know, I, I just don't have it today. Like I, mm-hmm. It's been a long day. I've, I've gotten beat up all day and, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not here right now yet. I'll, I'll get here, but I could really use you all pulling together to, to, to drive practice. I, I just don't know that I can drive the bus today. And damn, if that didn't pull them, I, those were some of our best practices. Um, there were other times where I would say something to the effect of, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure what to do today. You know, we've had, we just come off a game or maybe it was a hard loss. Uh, I'm not sure what you all need. What, what do you need? And I think to your, to your point, there's, there's a space and energy that kids have a wisdom that they have that we often don't let them have. In, in my opinion, education doesn't let them have this because it often is about, is it right? Is it, mm-hmm. what's the answer versus what's the process? And I'm a big, you know, get the process right. You always get the result that you want kind of guy anyway. With kids though, and with in particular like teens, 
one of the lessons that that they regularly instilled in me was just just tell us and that vulnerability really worked well i also think that they know way more what however old your kids are they know way more than you think they know yeah for sure they're just smart they're they, yeah. they're intuitive and if you do a good job of not letting the world suppress that intuition and their their magic their creativity their uh uninhibited joy their their passion their like desire to be social and share mm-hmm. they're they're already there it's the world that sort of like pinches that so I, that's just a supporting story man I, I really think that more of us could could do more and I, I will have to mind this now especially that we could do a better job of saying hey i'm having a really hard time hey i had a really bad day hey i had a a meeting that went poorly and rather than just kind of move on i'm, I'm stuck in that moment yeah that alone will teach your kids emotional intelligence real fast I don't remember if if it was because I you've I don't remember if you told me that story or if that was in your book um uh that particular story about you like feeling that way and talking to your talking to your uh, um your soccer players but I I I do the same thing like I I've thought about that as I'm talking to Adam uh, Adam I mean he's he's eight so he's a little bit more ready for those conversations than four year old four right. Uh, I still have the conversation, but it's, it's a much different level. But with Adam, I'll, I'll sit there and be like, Hey buddy, I'm really sorry. Like, and literally that story of, of that you just said helps me. Like, I mean, since I've lived in this house, which has only been a few months sitting over there at the counter going, Hey bud, I'm really sorry. And Adam will catch it and he'll realize it. And then not like even a half an hour later, he'll still see it on my face and he'll come over and just touch my shoulder and ask me how I'm doing or touch like, and he just knows like, that's, that's, we can talk about that. Um, uh, uh, but at the same point, he also knows that uh, um, that we can go and beat each other up, and he can, you know, kick me in the leg and take me down, and we can have a good time, and you know, uh, be rough and tumble. It's an absolute blast. Um, uh, telling you what, being a being a dad to boys is awesome. I can't wait to see what it's like being a dad to girls. Like it's going to be a, a lot of fun to to kind of juxtapose the two of those things together. And uh, I tell everybody, I said, well, I've got a wife that shoots guns and rides motorcycles, so. If we get a girl that wants to be a princess, we're going to be screwed. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. How do you teach um, this? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, but I, you know, I said, well, she'll be riding a dirt bike in a tutu. That's fine. You know, she'll be. <laughs> that's that's quite all right. So, well, I, I'll layer this on top because I, I, it's important. If, if you're a CEO that's listening, if you're a in a position of influence, you're a leader at work. The the same thing that we're talking about here applies yeah. to work. You know, if, if you think that for a moment you've got to go into work and fake being strong and fake being clear and fake all this nonsense about company and direction and team and it's not going to work and some of the best conversations you can have with your company your team you know i, I think there is a degree of discretion around what you mm-hmm. share but there there is also a need for this in leadership where saying something like hey i'm not at my best right now this is what's going on and I, it's irresponsible for me to have this meeting under this case or hey you know i i need some space to be able to to do handle my stuff so that i can show up better for the team or hey i don't have an answer for you right now and i'm aware that this answer is incredibly pertinent to us and moving forward i I just don't have it yet rather than like fake it and put on the mask you'd be shocked at how relatable you become as a leader and how much that creates a positive culture of 
hey, I'm not at my best right now, which is Mm -hmm. really important if you actually want the best out of your team. So it's just important that we share that with, with leaders too. For sure. Yeah. I, uh, you know, in the military, we saw that a lot too, is, is, you know, if you're hiding it, you can totally see it, you know? So you, it's, it's better to just say it and still lead through it. You could still lead through it. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, some, but, uh, but at least that they know, like I am not at a hundred percent. So I need accountability from you guys to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the wickets. Um, if something's not getting done, like there needs to be somebody that like, you're still the one accountable. If you're the CEO, you're still the one accountable. doesn't matter whether you're feeling up to it or not that day. Yeah, just like if, you know, I'm the dad, I'm still accountable. doesn't matter whether I'm feeling up to it. I can't just yep. tell my kids, sorry, it's go take care of yourselves tonight. No, like I, I'm, I still have to lead and show up for them. Um, just like in our business, we have to lead and show up. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're robots. Like we could still, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm running through, I'm running on empty. I need some help. Uh, you know, even if it, even if your leadership is just telling somebody you're in charge of this meeting today, I need to step out. Like that may be the best leadership you could do at that point, but you still got to lead through it, whatever you choose to do. So uh, same thing with being a dad, you still got to lead through it. I can't choose to just give up on being a dad for the day because you know, I'm, I'm tired. No, like like that kid, that kid's going to see that, you know, and, and and they're going to hold on to it for much farther than you do. I promise. Um, cause that's, uh, that one, that one situation is one of not as many in their life as that one situation is to as many as you have in your life. So, um, you know, that it, it causes a lot more impact than we know, but all right. So what, uh, any other last, uh, last minutes as we're coming close to the end here, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about a, a whole lot of, uh, things we've gone to a lot of different directions. That's one thing I, you know, and I told you, I think before we started the recording is I, I don't want structure to these at all. I want it to be kind of wherever we go. Um, I think if we had structure, then we wouldn't have got half of the things that we we pulled out there. So um, I appreciate you joining me on the journey. Um, but uh, what are the what other pit stops do you want to make, or any other thoughts or uh, parting ideas do you have that you want to uh, um, impart on me? Since I'm really doing this strictly as a selfish reason for me to steal all of the good ideas. But uh, but if anybody really else podcast, is listening, is it? it's really not. No, I'm <laughs> recording it for my own uh, my own edification later on. So <laughs> well. What's been on my heart a lot lately, uh, I think a lot of individuals right now are in, in a point in transition. And it's it's not lost on me that in transition and in discussion about mental health and even parenting and, and the demands of leadership, it's important that transition is sort of brought to the surface, what, what that looks like and what it means. So it's been on my heart lately. I'll just share this real quick. And then if we, we want to knock it back and forth we can lately the conversation around like building a vision uh around getting clear on your values has has come up with almost every single client i've got and mm-hmm. the work that we do i mean it's, it's deep work so it's, it's not rare for these things to come up but for it to all come up at the same time is rather interesting and what's surfaced is hey i've changed i'm not sure if these are my values anymore yeah. I'm not sure if I'm living the way that I want to, or I'm not sure that I want to live the way that I have been. And what is interesting about change, so if you're listening and you're in a period of change in your life, I'm in a period of change with being a 10 month old dad, dad. Yeah. Like there's so much change all the time. But as, as you go through change, what I find most vital and, and what we do a lot of support now with very many people is to take the time 
to ask why you want change. And here's a question that, that I love to ask myself. Three, three, a three-part question, kind of like the 17-part question you asked me earlier. <laughs> Number one, am I happy? Number two, am I at my best? Number three, am I offering my best to others? And if any of those are a no, I think it's great to start to seek out change. And w- without any kind of guilt, no shame, just I'm exploring change. What prevents change the most is our opinions of why we want it. Mm-hmm. And it's come up so frequently that we got to stay a certain way for somebody else. We got to, we got to like be a certain person for somebody else. We got to uphold certain expectations. I've seen companies, people, relationships, dynamics all change in a healthy way when we just accept that we're going through change. Mm-hmm. I tend to meet people at the intersection of Payne Street and Change Avenue. It's a really cool intersection to meet people on. And I'm lucky to say that, but I also know that for every one person that I get to coach that is willing to raise their hand and is comfortable trusting us to help them along their journey, there are thousands of people who have no help. And it's really important for those that are, are going through that to just ask those three questions. Am I happy? Am I at my best? Am I allowing myself to serve others and be at my best that way? And if you can in some way understand change is the most beautiful part of growth, then you might feel a little better. And Adam, I'm I'm curious to know, like you just had you like just had a new addition to the family. It's a it's a period of change. Do you feel like there's resistance in you? There's there usually is some kind of resistance in all of us. I, I know you to be very good at change. H- how are you dealing with that? And do those questions resonate with you? Uh, the questions resonate with me a lot, both in business and in in being a dad. Um, I think uh, yes, there have been. I think right now everything has been so great like i mean our, our our third is super chill she's awesome diana is um when she's awake she's happy when she's not happy it's because she's hungry when she's not hungry and she's sleeping but that, that's it like the only time she's unhappy is when she's hungry other than that she's just chill and granted we're only a week and a half into it so there's going to be more more to come and then when raquel goes back to work it's going to be even more to come um uh, so right now I'm like definitely happy. Uh, am I at my best? Um, close to it. I'd say I'm still, you know, um, uh, the, that particular change aside, I'm still terrible with my sleep, you know, four and a half hours, five hours. I think I average roughly five hours and 45 minutes of sleep, um, with our lovely aura rings that, that helps me stay on track with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That tells me how terrible I am at sleeping. Um, uh, so I, I feel like I'm not showing up at my best there, like in, in my health and being able to do that sort of stuff. Um, uh, which thus affects me being able to be my best for others. Right. Um, and thus for my kids. So that, that is something that I, I think the hardest part I struggle with right now is golf with my eight year old. And I know I've mentioned that quite a few times. Um, uh, uh, I don't show up at my best there um, because I, I expect my eight-year-old to do what 
a 20 year old would do. And that's to listen to me, understand, take the direction to move forward because they're, they've analyzed what I thought mm-hmm. and said and move on. Um, and I forget that he's eight when I'm on the golf course. Uh, I just expect him to, to listen to what I'm saying. So I, I don't show up as my, uh, uh, at my best, which thus doesn't make me very happy. And I'm not my best for my kids. So, um, that resonates with me a lot. And I'd like to probably write that down and be able to ask myself those questions right before I go golfing, right? Am I at my best? And if I'm not have that conversation with my son and say, Hey, I'm not at my best today. You and I are going to need to work hard together on this one. Um, if, if I just stop talking, you'll know why, like, you know, and, uh, and be able to press forward and, and be able to talk to him about that. So that definitely resonates with me well. Um, uh, and I like that, that thought process, both as a dad and as a business owner. And I also loved the, uh, uh, Payne Street and Change Avenue or whatever. I don't, yeah, yeah. whatever it was that you said. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, uh, the change is, is, is always a plus to me. Um, almost always you could turn it into a plus, right? Change doesn't have to be a negative. Uh, um, I, uh, I mean, I, I went to one school for more than two years, my entire life and then like bounced around. After, you know, like, I, yeah, I, I, well, I should rephrase that. I went to probably eight schools, only one of them for more than two years. Right. So, oh. uh, you know, that, I mean, there was, there was a lot of moving around. Um, change just happened. It, I had no choice. And then I joined the military and talk about bouncing around all over the world. Right. And you were talking about you already had that mastered. Like it changes just what it is. Right. Um, you know, and I look at problems now and, you know, there's, there's another guy in our, in our company that, um, he and I have had some, some fun experiences in life. And I said, well, they're like, oh boy, this this is going to be rough and that's going to be tough. And both of us are like, dude, we ain't getting shot at. So like, it's <laughs> there, it could be worse, right? I mean, it could be worse things going on in life. I think I can handle this effect, like this change coming out. I think I can handle this pressure coming in. Now you get shot at. Nobody's dying today, right? Like it's it's okay. Yep. Um, uh, so I think that putting those those things in perspective are uh, uh It's like perspective is an extremely important thing to have. Um, and boy, is it ever important as a dad. So. <laughs> All right. Well, on that wonderful note, uh, I hope everybody walks away with some perspective. Uh, Aaron, I really, really appreciate you taking some time to uh, jump on a call. I know the. I think we had this scheduled, and we thought a baby was coming, or mm-hmm. I don't remember. No, no, we had to cancel it was something. The day, the day your daughter was born, we had it on the calendar. There we go. Uh, so uh, I was like, yeah, well, that ain't happening. You know, I I canceled like no, I, uh, I got three bumps, calls, man. What that. the heck? Well, you know. I got bumped. Sorry, she's cuter. Um, yeah. As cute yeah. as you are, she's cuter. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it uh, it was absolutely awesome to have you uh, have you hanging out here. Um, uh, I will have to guess that you're going to be on this again um, in a in a couple of years. Um, I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so very much for anybody. If you if you enjoyed that, reach out to Aaron. Aaron, let us know the easiest way for people to get a hold of you. Um, uh, and we'll we'll get it linked in in the show notes and all that stuff. Uh, I'd say start at areyouinyourownway dot com, and if you are asking yourself that question, are you in your own way? And you don't know with absolute certainty that you are not, you probably are. Uh, but you okay. can go to areyouinyourownway dot com, and you can reach out to us. You can reach out to me. You can find me on all the social platforms. My name is unique enough that it's easy to find. Aaron A A R O N. Uh, last name A A Ron, and then last name Velky V is in Victory E L K Y. Find me there. Send me a DM. I'm approachable, and uh, I'm here to help. So if you want some time, just 
making change in your life or getting clear on what you want. You don't need to give me anything for it. I do plenty of open discussions to see if I can help. Feel free to reach out. Awesome. Yeah. Your social media has always got some inspiring, awesome things. So uh, definitely find them out there. Um, again, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, brother. And uh, we'll be chatting some more about some some, uh, some more business things. For yeah, sure. Man. So, Thanks for having all me. All right, dude. brother. Yeah, man. Later. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.